Welcome to In-Depth. I am Connie Ray, and we are thrilled to have a national tour arriving in northern Nevada on Tuesday. It's Living Undetoured, and this is a national tour that is traveling across 50 states. And we're excited to change the narrative on mental health, substance abuse, and addiction. And we're excited to introduce you this morning to Jeff Johnstone. He is the founder of Choices Network LTD and Living undetoured. Jeff is here to share his story with us this morning about his living undeterred, his new motivation to dedicating his life to bringing awareness to mental health, substance abuse, and addiction. Jeff, it is so wonderful to talk to you this morning, and we are so looking forward to having Living Undetoured here in Reno on Tuesday. Yeah, Connie, I'm honored and humbled to be here. Uh, this whole this whole journey I've been on since that fateful day when our son passed has been absolutely amazing. And it just goes to show that if you can somehow uh, reframe really bad things in your life, um, you can really uh, not just survive, but you can thrive. And let's take this back. In 2016, you lost your oldest son, Seth, to a heroin overdose. He was 23 years old. And then just a few short years later, in June of 2021, your wife of 21 years. This is about your experience and how you could have chosen two paths. And I love the idea and concept of what you are bringing. Number one, an opportunity to start a conversation. Really what this Living Undetoured, the Future of Mental Health in Northern Nevada forum that we are bringing on Tuesday, it's an opportunity to have a discussion to really see what is being done in each state that you travel through to have better mental health services, better substance abuse services, and better care for those who are dealing with substance abuse and addiction? Yeah, you're exactly right, Connie. Uh, Seth was 23, and when he uh, lost um, his fight with addiction, unfortunately, it ended with heroin laced with fentanyl. He never made it out of his chair. Um, my wife then followed a few years later, uh, with the, you know, the, um, the saying that goes, you drink yourself to death. That, that's, that's what she did. And I was right behind her. I drank, I drank for 14 months heavily after Seth died. And in 2017, I just had that epiphany moment where I just said, okay, I'm done. And I really quit to help her because both of our drinking was, was, was getting worse after he died. And, um, unfortunately in June of last year at the age of 46, uh, married 21 years, she lost her battle to alcoholism due to the grief of losing a child. And so, yeah, I can, I can say that I've been, I've been kicked hard twice, uh, you know, at an age of my life between 50 and 56, where those should be the years where you start really cashing in your chips and starting to figure out what you want to do with your retirement. But instead I was burying loved ones and, and trying to survive, but I found a way and I talk about it on the tour and it's an inspirational story, but certainly I have to kind of go into the abyss at times to, give it context, but it is providing hope for people that um, if this dad from Iowa that doesn't really have any special talents and traits can do it, then you can too. I think that what is so important about this tour is the starting of the conversation. I think out of COVID, we are really realizing the importance of mental health and that we need to make it a priority. Just as though we would take care of a, of a broken arm, we need to take care of our mental health. 
in right. the Living Undetoured pamphlets and information that I have about your tour, you really break things down. You mentioned that one in five Americans will experience a mental illness in a given year. You also talk about one in 12 adults in the U.S. have a substance abuse disorder. And I think as we come out of the pandemic, we're realizing that we have a crisis on our hands. You're traveling across 50 states, really diving in, talking with mental health experts. You're talking with people who work uh, in substance abuse. What have you found as you go through each state? Is it drastically different the way each state Mm -hmm. approaches, or are you finding that we all have a common thread? It's a great question, Connie. And there are subtle differences, but I assumed when I took off on May 10th out of my driveway in Cedar Rapids, Iowa, that as I went around the country, I would run into just, you know, different scenarios and different people and and different, um, you know, different issues. And the reality is every single event, every single person I've talked to, I feel like I have not left Cedar Rapids, Iowa. In other words, it's the same story in every street every city, every state around the United States. And, and that, that is the bad news, is that it's just everywhere. The good news is, Connie, is that some of the solutions are different. Some of the methods, some of the um, perspectives, and some of the, the, the way people are dealing with these issues are different. And so what I'm trying to do is piece together uh, what I'm calling after the tour. And this is something we're going to have available from our team. And I have some... Uh, I would say some researchers and some clinicians on, on our team that are helping us kind of get all this data together so I can actually have something um, concrete after the tour so it's not just something me driving around shaking hands. I want to really turn this into something actionable. Um, we're super, super excited about that because some, some of the cities and some of the organizations I've been aligned with, man, they are really, really innovative, really innovative. Well, I'm so excited for the panel that has been put together here in northern Nevada. We have some of uh, the top people that are working in mental health, crisis support services. Uh, We have doctors who are working on special technologies like MERT brain therapy. We have uh, individuals that are really working, whether it's in suicide prevention, crisis care, helping the homeless, mental health, addiction. And we've put together this panel. So... During your presentation, you kind of share your experience. Explain to us the importance of having that panel from here in northern Nevada. Oh, it's huge. I mean, one thing I do want to clarify, and I think as time has gone on through the tour, this is very clearly not about Jeff Johnson. Um, I think the I think the temptation is there for me to turn this into, uh, you know, my story and my this and my that. But the reality is this is about you, Connie. This is about <laughs> the people in the audience. This is about the panelists. I mean, every single panelist has their own story. Um, Last night in Carlsbad, uh, California, each panelist told about their, their husband or their wife or their son or their, their own battle with substance use or their own uh, suicidal ideation. So it's the most humbling thing to sit into a room of people from all walks of life. Yet we all are in the same boat, you know, paddling upstream together. And that's, that's been the, the most encouraging thing. And I think we got into this together. We can get out of this together. But yeah, I'm excited about the panelists as well. I mean, what a, what a wide range of different uh, experiences and educational levels. And uh, I would say the panel part of it is probably the most exciting part of the, of the night because uh, the audience gets to ask questions. 
You know, I uh, I want to go back to what you said about the direct connection and how many of us are impacted by mental health. And uh, unfortunately, just two days ago, my husband and I uh, celebrated an anniversary that we don't want to celebrate, and that is the loss of our 26-year-old daughter to suicide in 2018. She was a... Oh, I'm sorry, Connie, to hear that. She was a, a veteran, uh, a wife, a mother, uh, but she suffered with m- mental health issues. Unfortunately, she grew up uh, in an environment where her mother was dealing with substance abuse and addiction so this is 100 percent something that right. is so impactful to me and my family because we we never we always say we are part of a club that we don't want yeah. to belong to and so right. it has been our life mission to continue to open station. I sit on the board for crisis support services here in Nevada. We're very proud that we're in the midst of the rollout for the 988 number, which is really another tool in the toolbox for mental health. And I think what you're doing is so incredible because like you said, it's not about you. It's about all of us coming together and saying, we see a problem. We see a mental health crisis in our country and we want to do something about it. And I think that the more ideas and concepts that we gather, the quicker we can find those solutions. Yeah, some of the dynamics that are kind of uh, interesting the first one to me is that, you know, there's no question we're the most connected we've ever been as a society of humans. I mean, we, we can do anything pretty much anytime, anywhere. Yet, I would argue that we're the most disconnected with ourselves as human beings than we've ever been in history. So this, this connection that we have is actually making us more miserable. And COVID just, just magnified that. I mean, COVID, alcoholism, alcohol drinks, Alcohol went up 70% during COVID. So not only were we sitting at home sad, depressed, and angry and, and isolated, we were drunk. Um, and so there's just tremendous amount of uh, advantages in technology and, and social media, but there's also a tremendous amount of pressure being put on, especially our adolescents. And um, these are some of the things that are kind of coming to the forefront as I travel the country and we have these conversations with people. What are the problems? What what are the issues and what are some of the ways that we can start to get out of them? And I'm I'm convinced it's like you said, Connie, it's connection, it's storytelling and it's being vulnerable. And in, in being vulnerable, people can relate to what you're going through. And that relatability can help us all get out of this together, hopefully. I would encourage anyone to visit your website, livingundeterred.org. You can learn more about this incredible tour and your experience and just a lot of the data, as you mentioned earlier, the data that you're gathering as you do this cross-country trip and really talk with individuals. And like you said, you know, you are finding that we're all struggling and we all are longing for connection. Are you finding that there are is that there is hope? I mean, I think you look at your tragic situation. We look at the loss of our daughter, and so many people have asked my husband and I, "Do you feel hopeful that there will be a difference and that we can find a way out of this?" And I truly do. I think if we don't have hope, yeah, do. we have nothing. I'm cutting out. Are you there? Yeah, I can hear you now. I just cut out there for a minute. Can you hear me now? Yeah, yeah, there you go. You're back. You're back. Okay. 
Uh, one Sorry. Of the, that's all right. One of the things uh, I found interesting on your website, you talk a lot about community and that the idea of this tour is an opportunity to work with state partners to build a larger network of connections to share these ideas and provide resources on a national level. I find that so interesting because that is one of the things that I often hear from individuals who are working either in addiction, recovery, mental health, is they feel like they're siloed. Are you seeing people yep. wanting to work together more? And are you, as these people start to come to your tour, I'm assuming there's a lot more collaboration going on. Yeah, I couldn't have said it any better. That word silo was a word I used early in my journey because there were a lot of organizations out there and they were kind of competing against each other. They were going after the same nonprofit dollars and they were there in the same community helping the same people, but they weren't collaborating. So. Part of this whole journey was to bring people together. That, that's, that's the living, undeterred mindset. You're right, Connie. I think I've met some unbelievable people around the United States. I've connected people around the United States. And now there's a lot more work, you know, behind the scenes. And at the end of the day, when that mom or dad or that son or daughter needs to make that phone call, you know, we're going to have more people connected that, that we want to get these people, uh, get, them, get them the right places so they can get the help that they need instead of us you know, being pitted against each other as, as nonprofits. Absolutely. And you'll hear that. Uh, I'm so excited about the panel that we have that's going to be sitting with you. Sherilyn uh, Wood, who is with Zero Suicides, Diaz Dixon, Grant Denton with the Karma Box Project, Rochelle Pellisier, who is with Crisis Support Services. You know, these are all agencies that uh, they are different agencies, but I'm so proud to say that they do truly work together. They find a way to collaborate. And I think if we're truly going to make a difference, in mental health, addiction, and recovery, it has to be us working together. Yeah, it does. I mean, you know, if you look at the, uh, the average person out there that's struggling, um, you can't put them in a box. Everybody's situation is different. So if we just have, say, recovery centers, but we don't have, you know, other places for people to go to that maybe don't have an addiction or a substance abuse issue, maybe they just have a depression issue or an, or an anxiety issue. And so I think it's important that these organizations that maybe are, are, are geared towards one specific area of this issue, that we all work together. I mean, we all have a common goal. We all have a, a similar passion. And um, it's unfortunate it's taken this long for the mental health uh, industry to realize that. But the tours really, really brought a lot of people together. And I, I want to do something like this next summer, but obviously I can't do 95 days. This has been a pretty big sacrifice on my end with my family back home and everything. How has this impacted your family now? How do you feel about where you are in your life's journey now that you have chosen to live a life undeterred? Well, I have two boys, younger, uh, Seth's younger brothers. Ian's 21 now and Roman's 19. Um, Ian was 15 and, uh, when Seth died and Roman was 13. So when I presented that narrative to him about the two choices, you know, the, the one road you have to go down, that type of, of, of situation, they were pretty young. Um, uh, sibling bereavement is like the number one uh, cause of depression and stress for adolescents. So losing a brother or sister, uh, there's evidence that's worse than losing a mom or a dad when it comes to an adolescent. So, and then right after that, their mom died. So my two boys have had, but I told the boys, I said, you know, this is a competitive advantage you have over your peer group. Most of your friends haven't dealt with this. So if you can get through this and become a better person, 
you're going to be so much further ahead than most of your friends that maybe their most traumatic thing is putting down their cat or maybe their grandparents dying. So I really tried to reframe this to my boys as an opportunity to become better and not for an excuse to become bitter. I love that, that it's about being better instead of being bitter. Because I think I felt the same way when we lost our daughter. You have this, there's a sense of, it's almost guilt because I, like you, have two other daughters. So my husband and I can very much remember after being in therapy for several months and we got to a point with our therapist where we said we want to move on, not that we would never forget the love for our daughter, but we wanted to live a life that was still full of love and hope for our other two right. children. Right. And yeah, and I get at. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. I, I feel like once we were, it was it was almost as if she gave us permission and said, you know, you are two people that had a bad thing happen, and it's okay mm-hmm. to want to move forward to make sure that you have a good life for the rest of those kids. So I I feel a connection with you in the sense that. That is, it's a tough decision that you have to make, but you, you make it because you know that in the end, it's about providing the best mental health for your children and the best opportunity for them to have a better life. Right. I mean, we, I talk about it in my book. Um, I, I wrote my book two years ago. It's called This One's For You, An Inspirational Journey to Addiction, Death, and Meaning. And I have a chapter called Evolution of Self. And I get pretty philosophical. I have a couple chapters in there where I really talk about reframing and uh, opportunities and things like that. But I talk about the evolution of self. And I, and I don't really participate in some of the narratives like, like, you, like you'll get over it. You know, that's one that I struggle with because, first of all, I don't want to get over it. If getting over it means I'm going to move on from Seth's death. I don't want to. I want to always in my mind feel like I'm chasing Seth. And I know in my heart I'm not going to catch him. But I think it's the chase. It's trying to always do good and be passionate about what I'm doing. And that hunt is what keeps me going. And so I don't want to get over it. I don't want to lose that passion. Um, And I want to involve him and my wife, uh, both of them, into my story. And so as I go on, I I really want them to be with me. And I don't don't want to bury them. And I know for some therapists, they say that's, that's probably not the way to go. But for Jeff Johnston, that works. And I think for somebody who is an advocate and somebody that's continuing telling their story, I think it's important to focus on evolution, focus on how you're evolving as a human. Um, my dad once said when I was younger, he said, Jeff, if you're, if you're green, you grow. If you're ripe, you're rot. In other words, keep always learning. Keep always growing. And that way you won't become ripe and rot. And so for me, it's very important that I always have to keep challenging myself. And that's why this RV mission, I had never been in an RV before in my entire life before I bought this thing. <laughs> <laughs> and so I made myself, I made myself learn a lot of things that I, that I didn't know because I want to always be learning. The Living Undetoured, the future of mental health in Northern Nevada tour is going to be at the National Automobile Museum on Tuesday, August 16th, 5 until 8. You can get your free tickets by going to eventbrite.com and just searching Living Undetoured, the future of mental health in Northern Nevada. You can also find it on Facebook and Instagram. Again, Living Undetoured, the future of mental health in Northern Nevada. I'm I'm. I want to say also that what you're doing, Jeff, is you are traveling and showing people 
that there is a way that we can build connection, we can build community, and we can get through this together. And I think the more that we feel that sense of community and that sense of togetherness and we get out of those silos, I truly believe that is when we are going to make a difference in our communities. We're going to start to see the deaths go down from suicide. We're going to see the deaths go down from addiction. And going back to your website, just looking at some of the statistics and the number of deaths that we've seen, Americans die of drug overdose. It was 100,000 in 2021, and that number was significantly up from 2020, which was at 93,000. When you look right. at those numbers, and you look at the fact that we are having mental health conversations, do you believe that we can function and continue to save lives? I, I really do. And I, I really think that it's less about raising awareness than it is about bringing attention to. I think there's a psychological difference. My RV doesn't have pictures of my son and my wife on the side of the RV. That is, that's raising awareness. And I think raising awareness is a, a ship that has sailed. I don't think raising awareness is working. If it was working, then putting more labels on our food would show, you know, would, would demonstrate that our country as a whole could lose weight. But it's not. We're, we're getting heavier every year, but we know more about these things. So it's like the same things with all these issues in mental health. I think we need to bring attention to. And how you bring attention to is you go out and you become vulnerable and you tell your story and you tell your story and you tell your story. You allow people to come into your world, which allows me to come into theirs. And we got in this mess together. I think we can get out of this together. We don't have a choice. We have to. There's 800 Americans a day dying from overdose, alcohol, and suicide. 800. I mean, that, and again, that's a death statistic. Imagine the families, Connie, that aren't dying. Imagine what's happening in the millions of families that haven't had death yet. They're still being destroyed. They're still being negatively impacted. We tend to focus on the death statistics. But we have to focus on the living statistics because we can't help those that are not here. We can only help those that are. And so I got another saying I like, I really like, it's honor the dead, and that's what you and I are doing. But we want to live for the living, and that's what you're doing as well. Absolutely, 100%. And going back to the panel that we have put together here of some of our experts here in Northern Nevada, I also like that you put together a panel where we have doctors like Dr. Zavala and Dr. Ross from Brain Health Restoration who are providing alternative solutions, right? They're using Mert Brain Therapy to help people who are suffering from addiction, suicidal ideation, PTSD, anxiety and depression. And I think that's the other thing is we need to start looking outside the the box for other solutions, right? A solution might be for someone to take a pharmaceutical, but there might be another alternative that's a better option for someone else. It's not one size fits all. Right. And Connie, I'm happy you said that because um, uh, I've been working with Brain Health Restoration for over a year. So I've had, uh, I had a, a gentleman in their firm on my podcast. So I'm very familiar with the MERD technology. And, and even uh, things such as psychedelic research, you know, which is uh, probably the next wave of, of, of arrows in this quiver we can start fighting these issues with. But, you know, I got asked the other day by a TV station, was the question I was trying to answer? What's the one thing I'm trying to the answer was this, Connie. If what we were doing was working, I wouldn't be on tour. If what we were doing was working, I wouldn't be on tour. And so what we are doing isn't working. So we have to start looking at alternatives. 
I, I so agree with you. I, I feel like, and we can't keep putting our heads in the sand, right? I mean, I, right. you, you look at for so long when it came to suicides, we didn't talk about that. And I think it's so right. very important that we have those conversations. You look at suicide being the number two cause of death for children ages 12 to 25. That's a problem. That is a conversation right. that needs to be had. We need to not shy away from it. Yes, it's scary, but if we want to save lives, we have to tackle the issue. We have to have the conversation. Going back to you and I have both had conversations that we did not want to have with our other children. To sit my right. seven-year-old on my husband's lap to tell him, to have him tell her that her sister was gone. That is not something a parent should ever have to go through. And I right. think the more that we can have this conversation with our kids, are you feeling okay? Are you struggling? I think a lot of times parents just say, you know, are you okay? And they say they're fine and that's it. What other yeah. questions can we be asking so that we can save lives? Well, I think a lot of this goes to, to stigmas. I talk in my presentation about, you know, there's the society stigmas, you know, um, what people think of you and what they say on social media and, and how you're perceived. But I think what's worse, Connie, is the self-imposed stigmas that we put on ourselves. When you look in the mirror, and you see somebody overweight, you see someone ugly, you see someone that's not popular, and you put these self-imposed, and, and these may be inaccurate observations of you because everyone else around you may not feel that way. So these are stigmas that we self-impose. And so when I talk to kids, I say, you know what? It doesn't do any good what other people think about you if you don't think about yourself in a good way. So let's work on the self-imposed stigmas first, and then we can worry about what other people think about you. So I think a lot of times with adolescents, it's more trying to find a way to build their self-esteem up, give them self-confidence, but more importantly, give them autonomy, give them the ability to make decisions and, and have the consequences on their own. The problem is kids confuse dependent patterns of behavior with autonomous behavior, and that's a big confusion. So they think they have their drinking under control. They think they can have just one joint. They think they're, they are autonomous, but in reality, they're dependent, and it could be from an addiction gene, it could be from a disease, whatever. And I think these are some of the really enlightening um, observations and comments I'm having with a lot of experts in these fields that it, it's really, really driven me into where I think I can be most valuable. And that's something I'm gonna talk about after the tour. Well, we are so thrilled that you are going to be here in Northern Nevada. Again, Living Undetoured, the 2022 U.S. Tour, going to be at the National Automobile Museum on Tuesday, August 16th, 5 until 8 p.m. If you would like to get tickets, again, you can go to eventbrite.com. Just search for Living Undetoured, the future of mental health in Northern Nevada. You can also find it on social media, Facebook, Instagram. And, of course, you can also visit the website. Make sure to stop over livingundetoured.org to learn more about the tour. Jeff, we so look forward to you being here on Tuesday. I know our panel is very excited to be here as well, and I see this as a real opportunity to have a conversation and to start moving the needle. And like you said, really, it isn't, it, the awareness is not working. Let's change it. Let's right. flip it. Let's try to do something different so that we can save those lives. We so appreciate you sharing your story with us and being here on in depth. And we look forward to seeing you on Tuesday. Thanks for the time, Connie. I'm very excited about being up there. 
Again, Living Undetoured, the national tour will be in northern Nevada at the National Automobile Museum coming up on Tuesday, August 16th, 5 until 8 p.m. Again, you can find out information by live. You can find information by visiting at livingundetoured.org. Jeff Johnstone is the founder of Living Undetoured. Thank you so very much for taking the time to talk with us today. Thanks, Donnie. Thank you so much.